0: critical podcast where my friends and I talk all things gaming. I'm Jarell and once again I am joined by Brandon, Cameron, and Chris as we continue our uh, What is Kingdom Hearts podcast. So they've been talking to me about exactly what Kingdom Hearts is and if I'm not mistaken we have gone through Kingdom Hearts 1, Kingdom Hearts Chain of Memories, Kingdom Hearts 2, Kingdom Hearts Three fifty-eight over two days, and Kingdom Hearts Birth by Sleep. If you haven't listened to the first uh, episode of the podcast, please do so. Uh, And so to continue on, we're going to continue through with the story, picking up from whatever is after Birth by Sleep. I I do want to say this. Yes, yes, uh, these guys are the MVPs. Like honestly,
1: awesome. (laughs) I got to summarizing these games, and you know, I, I love Kingdom Hearts. But I'm really bad at summarizing the story. So thank you so much for doing that, guys. And also
0: thank you for <laughs> answering all my questions. <laughs> I know I keep interrupting you guys, but I'm just trying to also, you know, get a proper understanding of Kingdom Hearts for myself and for listeners. So thank you guys for being so patient and answering all the questions and doing these summaries. You guys are literally the best. My pleasure. I, I, I mentioned I got the Kingdom Hearts experts here. I'm very happy. Uh Anyway, yeah. So after Birth by Sleep is...
2: Coded Kingdom Hearts coded.
0: Oh, just kidding. Okay, Uh, Kingdom
2: Hearts coded, which is a mobile game. It was originally, and then they made a. It was an episodic mobile game, and then they eventually made a DS port. Yeah, in Japan only, and then they released Kingdom Hearts Recoded, which is a DS uh, remake of the game. You know, taking all the episodes and adding a lot more content to it. So, what exactly is coded? So coded. It takes place directly after Kingdom Hearts 2, but does incorporate things that we have already covered up to this point. So basically, at the very end of Kingdom Hearts 2, after Sora, Riku, and Kyrie were finally reunited and went back to the islands, they received a mysterious letter from King Mickey. And Coded will finally—Coded, uh, for me, it was a big deal for me as a Kingdom Hearts fan, because we finally got to see what was in that damn letter after maybe 10 <laughs> years. We waiting right. was in, yeah. So basically, you know, everything seems to be peaceful. They're all back in the castle. Jiminy Cricket, who would accompany Sora as their uh, journalist, keeping track of everything, was finally getting ready to sit back and compile his journal so that he can add it to the library in uh, King Mickey's castle. Only to find a mysterious message that he didn't write. The message was, we must return. Their hurting will be mended when you return to end it. And I'm like, what the hell is this? So they brings it to Mickey. And then they decide, okay. Why don't we digitize the entire journal in our super futuristic computer so that we can find out what this message means? But as soon as they try to do that, some mysterious virus blocks come out of nowhere, threatening to not only de- not only uh, delete the all the stuff in their journal, but they'll also never <laughs> find out what that message meant. So, what do we do about this? Hey, let's make a digital version of Sora to go fight the blocks. <laughs> so,
0: oh my god, is <laughs> that really what happens? That's literally it. Like Like,
2: they have to get rid of these viruses. They don't want to go in there in their cells because it might be dangerous. So let's make a digital version of Sora to go fight it. So the main character of Coden is Sora, but it's not the real Sora. It's a digital Sora. And it's specifically created from data from Kingdom Hearts 1. So everything, so Sora acts exactly, looks and acts exactly the way he did in Kingdom Hearts 1 because it is that version of Sora because it is based on Jiminy's very detailed journal entries of him, I suppose. So like Chris mentioned in part one of our podcast, it's a lot of retreading of old ground because it is going back to Kingdom Hearts 1 worlds. It's probably the least Disney that the Kingdom Hearts series actually had, which is saying a lot. But what does keep the gameplay interesting is that even though you are going back through the same worlds that you did go through Kingdom Hearts 1, or not even all of them too, it's just like whatever worlds did get infected, which I guess they're ballers and AF because they managed to... Stop the viruses before they spread to all the worlds from Kingdom Hearts 1. So you didn't even have to go to all of them. But yeah, you just go through them and there's like different gameplay for each segment. Like there's a side-scrolling segment. There's a shoot 'em se- shoot 'em section. It's a turn-based you, segment. Yes. If you go to Olympus Coliseum, you
0: mm-hmm. get yep. to have
2: Hercules and Cloud Strife in your party member and do a so turn-based cool. battle section. It is really cool. And the cool thing about that world is you only need to do a certain, a certain amount of that world. But if you go back, you can fight new bosses as well and get a little bonus story. Yeah. Oh. There's nothing, there's, get a little bonus story. So you can even go all the way to fight the Ice Titan as well. It's like the fi- true final boss. <laughs> I never even focus. knew that. Wow. Yeah. It's it's hard once you go past what you need to do in that level, but you, it's completely optional. Yeah. There's all that. And again, there's not a whole bunch of story stuff that comes into play, like major story stuff. It's basically them trying to eliminate the viruses within the data world. I would add this, though. It does sure.
1: include a wrench in the story called the Tome of Prophecies.
2: Indeed, it does. Because the Mario, not data, the real Maleficent and Pete do step into this story. And they are looking for uh, the Book of Prophecies, which doesn't get explained until later games. But basically... The Book of Prophecy uh, foretells everything that is to come in the future, and Maleficent thinks she can find it within this data world, and so that's why she's here, and the data sort has to confront her. Cool thing about this story as well that's not really important, but I thought it was pretty cool, is that because it is a data sword, he's also using kind of like a data keyblade for most of the story, but because it is data, not the real thing, Maleficent is at some point in the story is able to just like blow it up. Like, since Sora has no Keyblade. Right. And so you have one story segment <laughs> where the real Donald and Goofy go into the Data world and fight with Sora. And the cool gameplay element of that is that you can't fight with Sora. So instead, you're doing, like, Pikmin-like commands to have Donald and Goofy fight for you. Like, you have to give them, like, the direct commands and they'll fight the enemies for you. And you got to keep Sora safe while doing that. Until he manages to find the real Keyblade and use it. Because even though he's Data, his heart is strong enough to use the real one and, like, fight back. It's a, it's a pretty cool segment. All that happens. recoder has a really weird ending because you find the source of these data blocks, which is like a virus that came from Sora, the real Sora's darkness. You do that. And by doing that, you basically have to reset the data world, which means Sora will forget everything. It really gears itself up as being the ending of the story. But then there is, oh, wait, we did. We saved the day. but We haven't found out what that message was. Oh, damn. We need Sora's help again, even though he doesn't remember us anymore because wait, we literally just recorded his memory. Yeah. Yep. The story ends, the story ends, but they realize, oh no, we never found out what that message was. So we But got I help. remember it resets twice. I think it resets twice. But it resets. <laughs> The first one I remember for, for sure because they like sort of literally remembers nothing.
0: Wait, wait, they, wait, wait, wait. wait. So they went in there to find out the message, they didn't find out the message because the world was reset. And then it they ends. they had to, re- they, had to re- they had
2: to reboot it because of all the viruses. Like they the, the the entire message plotline gets interrupted by the viruses. And once they defeat the viruses, they had to reset, and they realized they didn't find out what the message was. So they had to go back in. And that leads Sora to go into Castle Oblivion, which is weird because he doesn't remember it, and neither is Jiminy. But the part of Nominee that says, thank Nominee, I guess, had enough information that they could recreate Castle Oblivion. That part is a little confusing to me. But either way, you go to Castle Oblivion, and that's when Sora has to confront a Data Roxas that basically teaches him the meaning of Hurt. Because if you want to mend Hurt, you have to know Hurt yourself. So, this ends up being an important lesson for Sora, even though it's not even really Sora that's going through it. But basically, what the message was basically saying that, hey, there's some people out there who still need help, even though you saved the worlds. Terra Van and Aqua are still out there. Um, Roxas, Sheon, and Axor are still out there. They need, they need, they need, uh, they need help. And so that's what ends up becoming the message that Mickey has to send to Sora (laughs) to basically get them back up because all this is happening and they need help. Also, the secret ending is probably the most important part of Coded because Yen tells Mickey that, hey, we need to stop Xehanort. He's like, wait, Mickey's like, wait, 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 we stopped Xehanort. We defeated this half, some, and then we defeated this half, Zemnis. But then Yen Sid says, yeah, we did. So what happens was if you defeat both the Heartless and a nobody of somebody, their original self can reconstruct. Therefore, Xehanort is coming back because you defeated both halves of him. So, if we're going to stop him for good this time, we need so we could be Kingdom Keyblade masters. So, bring them back up here. We need them to become masters. They need to take a test, which leads directly into Dream Drop Distance, which is all about taking that test. Beautifully done. <laughs> I t- uh, that's literally all that's important, coded.
0: <laughs> Damn. I, I uh, mean, okay. That sounded like a lot. Uh, so, what I got from that was basically that they went to find out this message in a digital world, and they didn't find it out, so they had to go back but then they forgot that they had been there because of past events. Mickey, like the people in the real world, didn't forget anything. It's all the
2: data denizens that forgot what oh, happened. Okay, okay, okay. Yeah, once they got rid of the viruses,
0: and that leads to on... my knowledge. I don't
2: think the datasaur has ever come back in the, besides coded. I think that was the one and done for him.
0: Okay, uh, and you said that leads us directly into Dream Drop Distance. So um... directly
2: too, yes. And I, I do uh, one last thing I want to say is because yes, they do establish that if a nobody and heartless of an individual is defeated, the re-cell is complete. That, of course, means Xanor. But that also means all the other organization members that were defeated uh, will re-complete because Sora, with all the heartless he's defeated, has most certainly defeated their heartless at some point along the way. So that does, that's it is a plot point in Stream Drop This is that a lot of organization members do come back as their original selves. Oh, yes, Unversed. Yes, yes, yes. So those are, because we are li- we live in a, th- that is in an era where Heartless and Nobodies did not yet exist in the Realm of Light, they had to make another villain that uh, the Keyblade Wielders would fight. So that became the Unversed, which are fledgling negative emotions, that their origin was unknown for most of the game. However, in Ventus's story in Birth by Sleep, it is revealed that these Unversed actually do come from Vanitas. When they were forcefully split apart into the Light and Darkness... Vanitas Ven- had like a lot of these emotions that he could somehow channel into monsters. So they decided, hey, if we use that to test Ventus, make him stronger, as well as uh, make Terra uh, potentially kill Aqua and make Terra stronger as well, we can use that to our advantage. And every time an universe is destroyed, he goes right back to Vanitas, so he can just keep respawning them as much as he needs to keep their, their agenda going. And so that's why when Vanitas was disappeared at the end of Birth by Sleep... <laughs> Unverse stopped appearing in the world because they came from
0: him. Ah, oh, okay. And that brings us into Dream Drop Distance, so please. Um, this game has those, like, Cherothy looking things? The dream, dra- eaters. the dream Eaters. Yeah, so, yeah, I don't know what's going on. Please, someone, <laughs> explain yeah, to me what happens so, in
3: that one. <laughs> so, Dream Drop Distance is probably the game where the franchise really goes, in a, uh, in my opinion, in a weird path. Um, yep. So, so dream drop is uh is the game where sora and riku take their Mark of mastery exam where they have to go into these sleeping worlds and basically wake them up uh yeah and uh throughout the game you switch between sora and riku using a drop system which was a very divisive mechanic uh i personally didn't like hate it um uh, I-, I know that I like, really didn't like it just because,
1: like, you're in the middle of a boss battle, but, but, you've yeah. run out of drop, and, and like, some bosses... you immediately switch to Riku, like, and... as, like, you're on the green bar, like, yeah. shit. And <laughs> some bosses took advantage of that, they would fire a mist that lowered your drop gauge so that they would be able to get wow. all their health back,
2: and it
3: was so devious. Yep, yep. no, I, I, I enjoyed it, I, I thought it was cool, but I uh, also think... Uh... This game should have been a Riku only game, but that's another we can talk about that later. Um, so yeah, so basically Yensid's like, "Hey, go do this and open up the like you know wake up these sleeping worlds." And as you go throughout, you uh, uh you run into Young Zanort. You basically find out uh, can time travel, and uh and it just it just uh oh god why do they introduce time travel in this franchise yeah, it's a convoluted mess yeah it, yeah. yeah it it really it's it really, my biggest it, criticism of the story it, so far. it really ends up uh messing with the whole franchise to be honest um where basically uh when young zaynort is on you find out that zaynort is actually uh was a resident of destiny island when he was mm-hmm. young and uh he you know, he's like a teen, he's like a, like, what, late teenager, you'd probably say, uh, young Xehanort, and... Yeah, he, he looked like he might have
2: been 17 or 18
3: or something. Yeah. And he, uh, was basically told by, from himself, like, hey, I need you to do this, here's the ability to do this, go do this, and then come back when you're done. Like, that type of thing. Um... And so that's basically what he's doing throughout uh the game is just trying to manipulate Sora and Riku uh and it gets to the point where Sora ends up going too far deep into um into the sleeping worlds <laughs> and like he uh he basically falls into like Young Xehanort's trap and then Riku gets out, and then Yensid says like, "Yo," or I don't know if Yensid asks uh, tells Riku to, or Riku just decides to go back in and save Sora. He Riku decides. Yeah, Riku just like, decides to do that. Interesting thing that's going on during this story too
2: is like both Sora and Riku are in the realm of dreams during the entirety of the game. But as you're completing the worlds, Yensid and Mickey start to realize with horror that Xehanort has them in this trap and getting them out of the realm of sleep is very difficult, because it's not an easily accessible world the same way Light, Realm of Light, Darkness, and between are.
3: Yeah. And, um, yeah, that's, like, kind of one of the things that's kind of funny, is that, like, like, Yen Sid knew that this was a possibility that could happen, but sent them in anyway. L-O-L. <laughs> I, all right, Yen Sid, fuck you too. <laughs> uh, uh, so, so yeah, so Riku goes back in, and, uh, he ends up defeating young Zanor uh, to a certain degree, and, and saving Sora and getting him out of there. Yen Sid, uh, uh, promotes Riku to a Keyblade Master, but, uh, fails Sora because he was manipulated by Zanor
2: uh well it's not so much that he yeah i mean that's part of it but it's also because because he fell to darkness he didn't have the power so even if jensen wanted to pass him sword does not
1: have the master power so he couldn't he didn't gain the power of waking which is exactly must free
3: he didn't gain the power of waking yeah that's 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 fair um
1: that was the main reason why they went into the realm of sleep uh, yeah, to, to get the power of waking. Well, yeah, to get the power of waking. Okay, wait, to wait, 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 Help
0: aven and Aqua. Well, the power yes. of waking is to and the wake power of waking parts. wakes sleeping yeah. hearts, and they yeah. want it to wake up t- t- the uh, the other trio. Yes. Exactly.
3: exactly, Okay, exactly.
0: Uh, sorry, it's, it's been a minute
3: on on Dream Drop. Uh, yeah. So, um, yeah, that's the the main uh bit of the story and then you basically find out that there's going to be like uh, a battle between 13 darknesses and 7 lights and Yen Sid is just like okay well we got 6 so we need a 7th and then uh, last cutscene in the game you see Riku bring in Kyrie to be as trained the seventh light. as the 7th light and everyone pops off
2: yeah that was, that was a big pop off also, yeah. I do want I want I want to touch real quick on what he said about the thirteen darknesses. Zaynor, um, yeah, obviously, like he said earlier, young Zaynor has the ability to time travel, which allows him to. A, a very qu- a clarification about the time travel is that you cannot do it freely. You have to leave behind your body in order to do it. But once you have done it, you can bestow it upon of uh, reflection yourself. So young Zaynor can freely time travel because he gave up his body in the future to just give him the power freely. So Ansem had no form for like, like over eighty years until he possessed Riku in Kingdom Hearts One to finally get a king, a physical form, which is crazy to think about. But anyways, and that's exactly what he does. All he does is he brings the hearts over from the from the past because only Young Xehanort has the power to just freely move between time, and that gets touched more into three. But yeah, all that to say, the thirteen darknesses are all individuals that are either versions of Xehanort from the past or individuals that he puts some of his heart into. One such member is Zigbar. The original organization, who we know has been in, who's been when Cahousa was Xehanort, since birth by sleep, willingly gives up part of his heart to Xehanort in order to become part of this true organization thirteen.
1: And we now know of four different realms. We know the datascape. We know uh, the dream world, um, dream realm, whatever uh, mm-hmm. realm of light and the realm of darkness. So there's, there's also the realms. realm of in between. Uh, oh, and the in between as well. So there's yeah, there's five. I also do want to give a real quick shout out to Dream Drop Distance as well because
2: at this point in the series, if you're if if you're a Kingdom Hearts fan, you've been playing all the games to this point. There haven't been a lot of Kingdom Hearts games up to that point that have really given you just completely new worlds. And Dream Drop Distance, no more took uh, took special care to say, "Hey, this is the realm of dreams. These have to be new worlds because they're worlds that are stuck that were stuck in the realm of sleep." for a long time so all the worlds you go to in of Disney are new they're not all necessarily new franchise to the series but they're all new worlds like quasimodo with the hunchback of notre dame you know the, the, the world that's completely new completely new never been touched before in the series then yeah. you also go to finally actually proper pinocchio's world you only went to monstro before uh the world from uh the grid from tron legacy not the original tron which had been explored and they even took the advantage to finally have you go into the world of Fantasia. As well yep. as Mickey Donald and Goofy the Three Musketeers, which wasn't even a
1: theatrical release, it, it was really, video. It
2: really fucking so
1: yeah, it really fucking opened up like the worlds to uh, you know the, you could include all sorts of different worlds from Disney history, you know. So it really opened up. Video release was interesting, even
3: before yeah. they were Burp by Sleep. Like obviously,
1: when you went to um, Stitch's world, which is D space,
2: it's based on just like the first five minutes of Lilo and Stitch. But Sparky from Stitch the movie was in that was in that world too. Yeah which yeah. is also direct video release. So I'm like, whoa, this, uh,
0: Sparky? I'm like, okay. So th- this is why um, we have the different... That explains, rather, why we have the different versions of Anthem, and well, Xehanort, rather, and Kingdom Hearts 3. Correct. Right? Yes. Yep. Dream Drop
2: Distance is the, prequel, the prologue to 3. And then, so who are the seven? Oh, the seven, Light, What is Light? So yes. One has to be Sora, of course, and then the other one is Riku, then you have Mickey. They intend kairi of course makes four and then axel who now is in his real form as lee but they call him axel anyway so i'm going to keep calling him Axel. um was trained because they needed a they needed more another member so he's five and then they need to save um then an aqua to make seven they don't count terra just because they know that they have his body so they're assuming that he's part of the 13 darkness which king of hearts yeah. be in the- so at the end
0: of dream drop distance how many do they actually have at the end
3: uh they they technically have five if you include Kyrie. Yes, but so, uh, Kyrie isn't
0: yeah. yet, and neither is. So, so they already had, so had so Axel at Axel. the end of Dream Drop So yeah.
3: So Axel, this is one thing that's like kind of like whatever, just roll with it. Axel just kind of just gets a keyblade out of nowhere. Okay. Yeah. like he he gets trained by Yensid like during the events of the of
1: the Dreamdrop. Well, like, they
3: don't show <laughs> it. But. His keyblade. No, they show in Dream Drop Distance. His keyblade just like appears, and yeah, then it's strange. It's just like. Holy shit, you have a keyblade? <laughs> and uh I've really yes. seen me where it's just like, Oh my god, Lee, have my babies <laughs> like <'cause> of, <laughs> <'cause> of, <Yes. laughs> when he sees uh Lee uh, you know, uh bring the Keyblade to his hand or whatever. Uh so yeah, so at that point it's it's technically uh five, but only Riku is the only Keyblade master like that entire Or oh, in uh in Mickey. The well, only they don't two have to technically be masters because kairi uh, I-, I know but I, but like basically like uh li- like lee and lee and uh lee and Kyrie are trying to they're still like instants training them to become masters in three like like they are like, like yes he's teaching them the ways of the Keyblade, but also like they do get tested in kingdom hearts three to become masters
0: so the only master of the five so far is Riku, and then if we are to save uh, Aqua, it would just be those two. And Mickey. Oh, and Mickey. Oh, fuck, I forgot yeah. Mickey. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so next up, uh, was that it for for Dream Drop Distance? Yeah, that's pretty much it. Just setting up the 13 darknesses, the
2: time trial aspect, and the, the fact that the Keyblade War is going to be recreated so they can recreate the Keyblade, where it's how it's spelled like the Chi Blade to um, open the door to Kingdom Hearts, essentially, and restart. The whole point, of Xehanort's motivation, which we haven't really touched on... I was about to
3: say the same thing. I was about to say the same thing.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. But Xehanort's whole motivation is that he wants to... out of Xehanort is curious about things. He's just, a, he's just like an extremely curious fellow. That's what eventually caused him to want to venture to other worlds besides his small home of Destiny Islands. And so he heard the tale that in the ancient days of Keyblade War, which we're going to touch on in a second when we get to the huge <laughs> cross stuff, is that the ancient Keyblade War happened and the world <laughs> was once all one big world. Like all the worlds that were separated were once one big world, but then they all fell into darkness. And so children, with their light, rebuilt the worlds into what they are now, which is mental, uh, def- basically um, different worlds that are all separated now. So zaynart wonders, hey. What if I, what if we, uh, what if we just did this again? What if I just recreated the Keyblade War and just, you know, destroyed all the worlds and they just got rebuilt again? What would happen? Would the worlds be better? Would they be more balanced? Cause he feels that there's too much light in the realm. There's not enough yeah. light they need to be balanced. So he thinks that's a yeah. legitimate problem. And Eric is even chastising. And Burma seems like, fool, you would risk, a, you would risk apocalypse for out of sheer curiosity. But yeah, that's what he wants to do because he thinks there's too much light. It needs to be more of a balance. Otherwise, yeah. what are we doing? So that's why he does that.
0: Okay, but is that a bad thing? Balance in the world? Balance is not a bad thing, but destroying the everything that exists. No, yeah, that the... part is probably yeah, just the Yeah, uh, it's,
3: it's just it be, the process of making it happen that is the problem. Yeah.
2: Yeah, Xehanort's ideals aren't inherently wrong. It's his methods that are.
3: Yeah, different. exactly. And Ericus is
2: kind of in
1: the wrong as well because he exactly. feels like every person who is darkness is evil. Yeah. And, that's and what Mickey at downwards. one point, Mickey at one point
2: believed that as well, because in Chain yeah. of Memories, in, in the very end of Chain of Memories, he travels with Riku, and Mickey even straight up tells Riku, "Is like, I thought that darkness was something that should never exist, but I've seen you and it changed my mind. I want to see where that path leads."
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, I remember so that. So Mickey, cha- Mickey's character changes a little bit during Chain of Memories too. Like a lot of people assume that the Disney characters never change, but sometimes they do. The main ones do anyway.
0: So does that bring us then to Kingdom Hearts Chi or Dark Road? We or can Kingdom talk about three. Well, thing is that that that, that Chi Unchain Ununion Cross.
2: That's an ongoing story. It technically started right after the Dream Drop Distance, but I do want when I talk about it, I do want to talk about some stuff that has since happened, like afterwards. So I think we should touch
0: touch
3: on zero point two first.
0: Okay, I don't even know what zero point two is. So please inform me. <laughs>
3: Yeah, so it's just Aqua. It's just a, taking place more with Aqua in the uh, in the realm of darkness. The only two things that are worth mentioning is that like uh, she runs into Mickey, and the whole thing of Mickey at the end of Kingdom Hearts One, where he has the Keyblade. He's like, "Come on, Sora, let's close this door for good." Like that that moment basically happens in zero point two. You just see it from the other side, and then uh, you basically um, uh, Aqua. It still ends up being just like trapped in the realm of darkness trying to fend off the darkness uh like literally f- throughout uh you know from from birth by sleep to to kingdom hearts 3 so she's been in the realm of darkness for like Finish. what uh, like like 12 yeah like 11 uh, actually yeah 11 to 12 years at this point um and then yeah and then more of that is uh you know you find out what happens to her in kingdom hearts 3 indeed and also the time, the realm of darkness
2: time is flows at a different rate because yeah. 10 years past, Aqua was in the realm of darkness for 10 years and she may feel like it's been that way, but physically it doesn't even seem that way because with, with 0.2, you know, we have her like right there with the castle of dreams. That's the cool thing about 0.2. There's only three technically Disney worlds in there. But they're all, like, dark, corrupted versions of those Disney worlds, which you never get to see in any other Kingdom Hearts game. Like, you get to see the castle with, like, the, like darkness behind it. You go into the realm of mirrors and everything from, like, Snow White's world is just all twisted and distorted. And then you go to uh, Sleeping Beauty's world, which is uh, the China Dominion. And there's just thorns everywhere and there's very little ric- what's left of the actual world. It's just something that I wish... I don't think we're going to be some, like, story context, but I, I would love to see... Like these darker versions of Disney World just because it's, it's different. Like it didn't even feel like you're going to like the old world just because of how different they looked.
0: So speaking yeah. on, you know, seeing her in time's passage not happening, how old are these characters? Uh
3: Sora at the point of Kingdom Hearts three is probably fifteen. He's actually I think sixteen now after 16? Oh, okay. Well, I, I was talking about yeah. Like he at, at Kingdom Hearts. Oh, 3. at the, this yeah. point, yeah, he's fifteen at this point. Yeah, fifteen. Uh, Riku is like a year or two older. I think Kairi's the same age as Sora. Yeah. Um, and then Terra Aqua Ventus. Uh, I think Terra was like is on like uh probably Terra and Aqua are probably around the same age as Riku, and then Ventus is probably a, either the same age or a little bit younger than Sora. Mm. I think the official age is sixteen for Ventus, but
1: I might be wrong.
2: It may be well, he may look sixteen, but uh, when we get to the key yeah. the version, there's some stuff I need to talk about there. <laughs> okay, I got i g I'll go into I'll go into uh the Kingdom Hearts Chi stuff now. So there was a browser game that was called Kingdom Hearts Chi. That's pretty much not really canon anymore because they kinda retconned it with the Unchained Key version, which replaced it essentially. Um parts of that story are also told in a movie that's available on the two point eight collection called a uh, Back Cover. Though that focuses specifically on this group of characters called the Foretellers, which I'll talk about in a second, and then the stories continue with the current version Union Cross. So Unchained key. this is hundreds of years before Kingdom Hearts One because now we're dealing with the era before the world's fell to darkness before the Keyblade War. like everything was just fine there it was full it was an era where children were basically given were keyblade wielders. And they everything was pretty peaceful. They were ruled by these five groups called the Foretellers, which are like ancient Keyblade Masters, which are in turn ruled by this figure called the Master of Masters who oversaw them. And there's also a sixth character called Shu as well. Essentially, they have the Book of Prophecies, which Maleficent first mentioned back in Coded, as Chris mentioned earlier. <clears throat> Excuse me. So, yeah, the Book of Prophecies foretold that eventually there would become a Keyblade War where the world would just fall to darkness. The Foretellers don't want that to happen. So, they came up with the idea, what if we could gather light? If we gather enough light, then the darkness surely can't win and destroy the Keyblade, the the, the Keyblade wielders and the worlds, right? So, they get into their heads to use the Book of Prophecies to create illusions. Illusions of heartless creatures that, of course, would not exist until hundreds of years later. Because if you destroy darkness, you produce light, right? That's how it works? So, that's what they did. So, they started putting all the Keyblade wielders through like illusion Disney Worlds. So they can go through their own storyline basically, fight Heartless, gather light, and prevent the Keyblade War from happening. But just as Kyrie's grandmother had said in like some of the other games, because they, there was too much light out there, they started coveting it and they started suspecting each other. And eventually darkness would start evading the hearts of the Wielders. And eventually the Foretellers themselves started to get jealous of each other. And there was infighting between them. Eventually, all their methods to try to stop the, everything from happening was undone because they all started classing against each other, and a Keyblade War eventually did happen. That was actually the ending of the browser game. It's a very sad scene because all these Keyblade Wars who were once friends, including your player character, are partaking in this war to fight each other for the light, and it basically like brings the world to destruction, essentially. And of through all of this, the six, the six apprentices of the Master, who's not doesn't have his own union. Lushu is just watching the whole thing because the Master of Masters had him. like, nope, don't do anything. Just watch it happen. It's gonna happen. I just need you to watch it. So he has this keyblade that would later on go on a Zenor that has his like eye attached to it. Apparently, as long as his eye sees the events, it'll be recorded in the book of prophecies. So Lushu's job was just to watch. Don't interfere, just watch. So he just let the keyblade war happen. And it brought, like, ruin. The foretellers all disappeared to who knows where. But one of the Union leaders was a woman named Ava. She was given a role by the Master to find wielders to not participate in the war and help rebuild the world when it would be destroyed. They were called the Dandelions. And five of those people were called the Dandelion leaders, and they would basically take over uh, when everything happened. And that's what eventually leads to the game's revision, which was Union Cross. The Keyblade War happens. The survivors of the Dandelions, their memories were erased. They don't know that the Keyblade War happened. They knew it was going to happen, but as far as their memories are concerned, it never did. It's like, huh, wasn't the Keyblade War supposed to happen next week? Oh, I guess it never happened. Oh, that's cool. Let's just keep doing what we're doing. In reality, they all got transported into a data world. And by gathering light there, they could help rebuild the world so they could be what they once were. And in the end, five new kids from the Dandelions were chosen to be the new union leaders. One of them was a boy named Ephemer, who was kind of close to Alpha. Another one was a girl named Skold, who was close to um Ephemer. The third union leader was Ventus, who apparently lived mm-hmm. in this time. And I remember seeing that scene. I was like, what? What? Then?
1: What? <laughs>
2: Yeah, Ven lived with time. How he eventually came to the present Kingdom Hearts series is still unknown at this point. The story is still ongoing, but Ven was one of the three Union leaders. The fourth one was a new character called Brain, who's like has like a top has like a fedora like hat with a feather on top, and he's like his name implies is the brains of the operation. He's the one that's questioning everything and wants to see help build a better world. His exact motivation unknown, but he seems to be on the up and up for now. And the fifth one, the fifth Union leader. Is a man named Lorium who is the original somebody of Mart Lucia, a member of the organization. So apparently, he also existed in this era as an ancient Keyblade wielder, and he was also good friends with a woman named Elrena, who is like the best, who was like the best, who was like the original form of Larkseen. So there are just some Keyblade wielder. I mean, some organization members who had just existed back hundreds of years ago when all this happening. How they got from there to the present is still unknown at the moment. But they are the five union leaders. And there's a darkness that's trying to encroach upon the world as they're trying to rebuild it. Where that's going to lead to is still unknown at the moment. Because, again, the story is still ongoing. But there is a darkness that is trying to undo all their work to basically help rebuild the world. Maleficent is also here (laughs) for some reason. Because apparently after her defeat in Kingdom Hearts 1, she too learned the time travel technique that young Xehanort employed to go back in time and try to change her destiny. But guess what? She failed. She couldn't do it. So now she's just trying to get back to her own time, which I guess she eventually did because that's how she ended up coming back in Kingdom Hearts 2. But that is what's going on right now as far as Union Cross. The five unions are desperately trying to rebuild the world, but there's a darkness that's, has, that's uh, identity is currently
0: unknown that is trying to stop them from rebuilding. So the most important thing that I know from this, this is that the Master of Masters disappears. Correct. He he he
2: knew he knows about he knows about everything that was to come, and he's apparently going to be appearing more often in the future as well because he knew and, what was happening and gave all the union leaders, the original union, the foretellers, different missions that seem to conflict with each other in some regard. All ultimately, which led to the keyblade war happening, even though they're desperate attempts to try to make it not
0: happen. Yes, and we don't know who he is, and he leaves yes. um, the mysterious black box with Luciu. Correct. That is correct. Um, which I bring up because that goes into Kingdom Hearts 3 as one of those things that I believe is still unsolved. Um, yes, it is. Unsolved. So let's move on to Kingdom Hearts 3! Let's do it. Uh, the 2019 game, which I still can't believe came out in 2019. I feel like it was a whole older for some reason. Um, but it's the been game a that came out—it has <laughs> been a very long year. You're right. Uh, the game that came out last year was pretty much um, the Keyblade wielders, the Seven, preparing to go against the reconstructed Organization XIII uh, with Master Xehanort's return. Um, obviously we got to see new worlds, but I mean, you guys can tell me all the important stuff from, uh, KH3 that happened with the ending of this, uh, Xehanort 7.
3: Yeah. So Kingdom Hearts 3 is, um, you know, Sora, uh, is tasked by Master Yen Sid to, uh, get the power of waking after he failed to do so during the Mark of Mastery exam. Um, so that's what him and Donald and Goofy are doing. And then, uh, at the same time, Riku and Mickey are going to the realm of darkness to try and save Aqua. Um, and, uh, and yeah, so, so that's, that's kind of like what the two teams are doing while, uh, Axel and Kyrie are training to become Keyblade wielders. Uh, so this, and Kingdom Hearts 3 is such a, I have so much mixed feelings about this game. <laughs> uh so yeah, so basically, um in Kingdom Hearts 3, Sora is going to new world uh like basically all new worlds, uh, outside of like pirates, I think. Um, and to try and uh find this power, and as he's going through each world, there's one of the members of the new organization thirteen that are basically there to make uh, an appearance, uh, give them shit, and uh, dip out. Uh, so, yeah, you go th- uh, to the different worlds, um, and then Riku and Mickey uh, are, when they're fighting in the realm of darkness, still looking for Aqua. Basically, the uh, power of darkness has like been increasing, uh, making more difficult heartless foes uh, to fight, and uh, The worst decision, uh, story decision made in the game, uh, Riku's keyblade, uh, breaks and he has Mm -hmm. to get, uh, him and Mickey have to get like upgraded keyblades from, uh, from Yen Sid. So they leave to come back and, and, uh, and Riku leaves his, uh, his broken way to the dawn, um in the Realm of Darkness.
0: Why is that such a bad storytelling decision to you? Because his...
3: Because his, his Keyblade was re- literally an evolution of his previous weapon. And it was... Like, he is he is the one... Outside, outside of Terra Aqua and Ventus, where they don't really... It's not really confirmed, per se, but, like, Riku's... Riku's Keyblade was the first Keyblade that we saw actually evolve, which when it wasn't originally a Keyblade. Cuz originally he had um what was it is it called Dark Seed? Is that? Uh what was Soul his leader. original What was his original uh weapon called? Soul it wasn't Eater. a Keyblade though. Soul Eater, yeah, Soul Eater. Soul Eater. Um and Soul Eater evolved into Way to the Dawn, where it got the it got the wing. Uh and the uh the more like Angelic uh, handle, and that also is just a very big representation of Riku's character development throughout the series. I see, I see. So it's kind of just like uh, I don't know. It's kind of like a middle finger to me. Yeah. Uh, so so and then you know they and and even worse, they, his re- new replacement is the most generic looking thing I've ever oh, seen. Oh my... no! Uh, it's, it a looks like a car, it's a literal car. It's a literal car key. It's a yeah. car key. Yeah, it <laughs> does, does look pretty key. bad. Yeah. Which it's
2: Fenrir bad. which Fenrir did first, but I thought Fenrir had a
3: cooler design. So So yeah, and then um and then they end up going back to try to try and find uh, uh well they also like chill like go in like Radiant Garden to try and find clues and things like that as well. Um and then eventually it gets to the point where uh Sora even though he doesn't have the power of waking Uh, he goes to try and help save Aqua when Riku, like, right in the middle of the time when Riku is fighting, uh, Aqua, as you find out that she has been basically, um, what's corrupted by the darkness after being in the realm of darkness for so long. She's been overwhelmed by it, and she's basically now known as, like, Dark Aqua, and, uh... You know, as Riku is fighting Aqua, Sora steps in, even though he really had no reason to. And uh, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, Sora ends up saving Aqua and restoring her to normal. Uh, following that, uh, Aqua. Oh, something really important uh, to mention in Birth by Sleep. Uh, once Aqua gets Master Ericus' Keyblade, she ends up locking the land of departure which turns oh, into yeah. Castle Oblivion. Right. Mm-hmm. So, uh, she goes... So they go to Castle Oblivion, and Aqua unlocks Castle Oblivion, and it turns into the Land of Departure again, where uh Ventus' body has been sleeping the entire time. Uh, and then Vanitas shows up, and you get to play as Aqua, and you fight against Vanitas. And then, uh, during that time uh Aqua is about to get defeated but then Sora like basically ends up getting the power of waking w- uh waking uh during that moment and wakes Ventus up and Ventus comes in to help save Aqua from Vanitas. Uh that uh, so now all seven lights have uh you know been made and uh they end up starting to Head to the Keyblade Graveyard. Is there anything important that I've missed so far? Um. Yeah, I,
1: I think if I remember correctly, I, I might be wrong,
3: but didn't
1: didn't the organization go to Castle Oblivion in an attempt to find Ventus in a way?
2: That was the plot. Of, that was basically the premise of Chain of Memories. Their whole reason for going there was yeah. to find Ventus because Zemna. Yeah. Well, it's not Ventus specifically. But a but a room called the Chamber of Awakening. Yeah. Which Z- Zemnes knew what was in there, but their organization did not, and he did not tell them. He just said, "Just find the Chamber of Awakening," which they never did because uh, only Aqua has the ability to get there because she's the one that created Castle Oblivion, essentially. Right.
3: Yes.
0: But now, yep. yeah, I think that's it. I, 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 I feel your frustration now for some of the things that you're explaining, so I can't wait to talk yeah. about it. But, yeah. I <coughs> about yeah, we'll talk about it more after, um, yeah.
3: because I feel like uh, Kingdom Hearts 3 definitely is uh, really divisive in a sense. Um, but, yeah. So they all show up at the Keyblade Graveyard, and um, you find out, like, basically you find out, just like kind of like in a one-liner later on that Axel and uh Kyrie did not pass their Mark of Mastery tests. Um and but there's you know they're still there rocking it. Um and I believe also there was like um there's a point where they are trying to uh I forgot uh Zexion's uh somebody uh's name. Ienzo. Ienzo, Ienzo, nice. yes. Ienzo is helping uh Sora and the gang try and bring back uh Roxas and Nomine uh using uh the replica uh type process that uh Vexen used to create Riku replica. Chain of um, memories. And Chain of Memories, yes. Um so yes, yeah, so they end up at the Keyblade graveyard. Uh they fight you do like another like similar uh thing to the Thousand Heartless Battle in Kingdom Hearts Two, just a little Less cool, I would say. Yeah, definitely. yeah I agree. Um, definitely. Just because
1: of the whole stupid ride attraction system,
3: fuck. I, yeah. uh, I hate yeah. it so much. It makes no sense. <coughs> it was cool in concept, not but didn't work in execution. Oh my god, no. I feel like the
0: only person who loved it. <laughs> I enjoyed just, it. I think they just it's just triggered too much.
3: It's cool if it's cool for a turn your brain off fun type thing, but for those that are like, when when like Kingdom Hearts two was like literally perfect. And then you add things to not make it perfect anymore. <laughs> it I just, see, I see. You know, it's yeah. just those things. It's just, uh,
1: I missed reaction commands so
3: much, yeah, and I wish was exactly. replaced the traction it, flow. Exactly, I agree completely. Yeah. Um, And yeah, so they show up, and then basically a giant uh, a giant fucking heartless uh, tornado is like coming in, and uh, like fucks everybody up. Uh, yeah, they all die. And Sora, Sora has like this huge breakdown where like everyone's gone. Like yeah. I, I, you know, we failed. I failed. Like blah 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 blah. Like there's no hope left. And then Riku coming in, tell him, showing me why he's my favorite character. He's like, you don't fucking believe that. Like we, like we can yes. still do this. Like, and he goes in to fight that fucking tornado. By himself, like the badass he is, even though he fails, even though he fails, it's even cooler, that, in my opinion. And basically, uh, everyone kind of dies. And uh, then you're teleported to this, like, uh, this is like the realm of in between, right? Uh, it's kind the of, final
2: world, yeah. It's, it's the, yeah. World, the, the final, final
3: world. Yeah. Like, uh, yeah, It's basically like. Yeah, Mm hmm. And, uh, who's from, like, kind of from Union Cross and, uh, or Unchain Key at the time. Uh, and you basically have to restore your, your heart so you can go back in time a little bit yep. and, and, uh, do things differently. Um, and at that, uh, so basically you go through all that uh you're you're tell Ch- uh Chirithi, like you know we're friends now like things like that you know sora being sora mm-hmm. uh and you go back and it resets to the point where uh you're about to you know cuz Terranort... so before the originally before the uh tornado shows up Terranort shows up and tries to be a cocky asshole and stuff like that and um and then you and then, but this time around Terra shows up, lingering will form, and uh, fights Terranort off. And then, uh, when it comes to this giant heartless uh, tornado, you're uh, you're uh, saved by, or you're not saved particularly, but you gain uh, the power of like fucking a million key, <laughs> key- play- yeah. wielders of light. That's cool. I forgot the the, the kid's name. Uh, I, uh, e- Ephema. Ephema. Uh, Ephema. Yeah. Um, you know, you kind of, like, have a little exchange, like, non-verbal, like, is it verbal? i like I'm pretty sure it's non-verbal, like, a non-verbal exchange with him, and then you just, like, have the power to, to like, you know, from all of the previous Keyblade wielders, like, lost souls of sorts, to take out this giant, heartless tornado, and it's really cool, because, like, Tetsuya Nomura, like, had just literally had Actual usernames from players. Mm-hmm, one. Yeah. He, I'm so the, mad that I didn't get, make it in. I, I applied to that contest,
2: too, because I do play Cross. but I was like, ah, I, I didn't mean,
3: make it. I do have a friend that I know that made it in.
2: Oh, ah!
0: Yeah.
3: Well, I'm jealous. Uh, for me, That's I didn't care. Cool. I was like, I was really to Soren at that. really <laughs> cool that he did that, but I, like, you know. Um. So, so, yeah. So you do that, and then also Yen Sid comes in out of nowhere and just, <laughs> yes. like, actually does does shit fucking most parts (laughs) and just just like splits the uh, into a path so that everyone can move forward and then like basically um, you as Sora you go to different sections of this giant labyrinth and uh, team up with different people to defeat uh you know, a number of uh of Xehanorts, uh the organization thirteen. uh, probably the most uh the two significant ones is when you team up with uh Aqua and Terra to take out Terranort and Vanitas, uh and then Terra ends up getting restored to his original self. Uh that was a really uh emotional moment. And then uh as well as when Axel and Ky- you team up with Axel and Kyrie to take on uh a Hooded figure with a keyblade similar to Sora's and who was the other one? Uh Syeks. Yeah. And then Roxas comes in uh out of nowhere, and That's you all fight. Cool. Oh yeah, and then uh and then uh Xion, uh you find out obviously it's Xion. Anyone who played any game previously the three knows it's Xion, and basically uh the Salt Trio are back together again and That, that was, was super emotional too. when they
1: finally figured out who Xion was. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah.
3: my god. Yeah,
1: absolutely. But his uh, his my main criticism. One of my main criticisms of Kingdom Hearts three is that all almost all of this was spoiled by the pre marketing stuff. Yeah. It was hard to avoid in the Kingdom yep, Hearts that's community where because everyone was posting gifs and I mute. I tried to mute everything Kingdom Hearts related and I still bloody saw it. So. I was really frustrated with Square Enix for doing that. And I, I that
3: again. I didn't get spoiled by that, but I definitely like heard things like, "Oh, people have copies now. It's out in the wild." Well, I, I knew was like, going to be back. So. Well, yeah, it was. It was one of those things like, "Okay, it's going to happen, but how is it going to happen?" Yeah, that's like where I was at with everything. Um,
1: but they literally had like a trailer for this section of the game at the end of the game. You don't do that,
3: Like, yes. It's so stupid. Yeah, no, for sure. Um, but yeah, so that that you know uh, that's those were you know fights that happened. You team up with uh, Riku to take out uh, Riku Replica and uh, Zigbar, and then uh, you team up with Mickey to take out Marluxia and Larkseen. And then when you get oh, to the final quick question area, yeah, go ahead.
0: When you take out Larkseen, she says something. Um, d- 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 the game never explains what she means. I think it's a connection to uh, Union Cross. Same thing
2: from Marluxia. When he defeated, he said, he mentions that he's finally on the cusp of recovering who he truly is. Yeah. It's it's something that's not clear yet.
3: But yeah. Union Cross is clearly... It, it's, it's one of those things, like, I don't really keep up to the story with Union Cross, because I think it's kind of ridiculous, even for yep. <laughs> Kingdom Hearts. Like, no, uh, we've
1: gone through a lot of shit we've gone through so many different portable devices and uh yeah. different games and it's got to the point where i'm like i don't want to play a repetitive mobile um, r- mobile rpg yeah. to get yeah, a story it's exactly. just i don't want to watch three hours of text based cutscenes. like no thank you like it's
3: not it's not particularly bad like i have played like yeah. a decent amount but like with the amount of content that it's been added since it released like i'm just like i'm never going to like i'm never going to take the time to actually catch up so uh, i do like so World, right, World, too though, many, I'll
1: too many yeah there's too many levels between cutscenes, in my opinion
3: yeah yeah like, it's fast so, out way too much i don't think it's particular i don't think it's particularly like not fun as a mobile game but i just don't really like mobile games in general exactly. so it's that's just that's just me um, but I, you know, again, like it's like the one mobile game I have downloaded on my phone. Like it's not
1: a fun Kingdom Hearts game. It might be a fun mobile game, but it's not a fun Kingdom Hearts
3: game. I think the medals are cool. It, it kind of reminds me a little bit of yeah. uh, of Memories. Um, I don't know. Uh, I, I, I again, like I, I like it. But I just don't like it enough to keep playing it. So. I
1: have something to ask you guys. How, how do the medals work with the canon? Because
3: it really doesn't make sense. For
1: me. Oh yeah, they explained
2: that. So basically, to fight the like with the Book of Prophecies, you know, they make the illusions of the Heartless as well as the illusions of the worlds. The medals basically are character like character like every I guess Disney character from like the modern series as well as some other ones that are just not you know, that haven't been represented yet in the Kingdom Hearts series, like maybe like Moana or something like that. Um, they're in the Book of Prophecies and to give the Keyblade wielders um the power to fight back against the darkness that they need to get the light, they make they take entries from the Book of Prophecies and convert them into medals and uh-huh. the Keyblade Wielder uses the medal uh to give themselves an ability associated with the medal that they are given. So it just because the okay. will there's like there's so many of them that they can't all be properly trained, so the medals is kinda of like a cheat to give them abilities that they wouldn't ordinarily have so they can fight the darkness and, and win. Which is why there's sense. like which bo- is why there's like boss fights against like the foretellers themselves. And no matter how much you're beasting on them with your powerful medals that you that you grinded for, they whoop your ass in the, after the cutscenes uh-huh. begins because the foretellers actually know how to fight and you're just borrowing powers from the future basically.
3: Right thanks so, for the context
1: uh,
2: yeah same yeah. it's the same concept with the cards in dark road, but I'll get there
3: yeah um but yeah so then and then after that uh sora uh fights uh all uh all the other Zem- like Xehanorts, like basically so ansom uh Zemnis and young Xehanorts. and then following that uh you fight uh Xehanort himself uh as uh and i i think this uh fight was really cool um mm-hmm. i liked how it ended with trinity that made that was really really cool um yes. i agree i agree cuz i was great. Yeah, i think that was i think that the ongoing theme about like how sora like isn't a whole without donald and goofy is really uh yes, powerful yes. Mm-hmm. and uh well, it yeah, and and it, and it and it fits the themes of Kingdom Hearts of like friendship and like how friends are your power and things like that. So that I I really liked that bit for sure. Um, yeah, so you defeat Xehanort and then um <clears throat> and then uh, Master Eraqus, uh appears and you find out that basically um oh what 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 was it um Xehanort uh, Eraqus, uh appears because. But he, it's because he left, like, a part... Like, he left a part of himself.
2: <laughs> in Terra, I believe. In Terra.
3: In Terra, yeah. You he sly a, dog. You yeah, sly you, fox. Yeah, you sly <laughs> fox, yeah. And you basically kind of... Way too stereotypical anime uh, stereotype. Basically, uh, you know, Eraqus and Xehanort, uh leave life together, saying that, like, hey, maybe we should just, like, Leave this in the hands of, of like current, you know, of people now, like Next you know, like, what, yeah. like the like the the new generation of people. Like we've had our time, like that type of thing, and and he's just like, yeah, you know, he's like kind of just like accepted, uh, that, and and kind of goes goes off that way, um, and then in the Remind DLC, you basically. Oh god, I, I only played it once, so I'm a little I'm a little foggy on it.
2: I think I can uh, help out with this part.
3: Yeah. So if, Rem- go
2: on. So, so if remind, remind basically it's split into three parts. It's split into the actual remind episode, the limit cut episode, and the secret episode. Remind basically, uh, it's basically a side story to the climax because after everything was said and done, Kyrie was disappeared, like killed. Sora had already saved everybody using the power of waking. But obviously, after defeating Satan, you know, there were it's not a it's not a perfect ending because Kyrie is still gone. So he decides to use the power of Waking again to redo uh, one more one more of the aspects of like what happened in the past, so that he can re, re- reconstruct Kyrie basically. Cerithi even warns Sora though that if he does this, like already he already misused the power of Waking, so he's already in danger. But Sora's not gonna yeah. do it because he ain't leaving without Kyrie. That's just not not gonna happen. So by using the power of Waking again. Incorrectly, as Shirathi points out, he once again returns to the past and basically re- not only relives element uh, aspects that he has already done, but even goes to parts of the past that we have never seen before. We see Sora, uh, we get to see the ending of the fight between the Lingering Well and Terra Xehanort because Lingering Well just doesn't win, so Sora has to basically push the- Terra Xehanort away so he doesn't keep pursuing them. We also see that while Sora, Donald Goofy were having their final fight in the against Xehanort that the re- remaining uh, Wielders of Light, the Guardians of Light, were fighting against the Xehanort clones that he had created so cool. and, and losing, so Sora had to give them a little a bit of help. We get this awesome scene where the oh League like God. defeated
3: and Mickey Fuck is yes. wounded and just like slowly yep. walks forward oh. to stop them. Oh, so... Oh fucking good. This is what I wanted in the base game, dog. Yeah. <laughs> like, no, this, is, thinking, this is, like, like, I think these were, like, the major things that people were, like, really pissed off about. Like, we didn't get these type of moments in the actual base game. Yeah, and it's like, that. oh my fucking god. Like, and then bringing back re- reaction commands and not, even, and not even yeah. bringing back commands, but like the little details in the reaction commands, like the Terra and Riku uh, team up was called Successor. Like let's yes! fucking go. Yes! let's fucking go. And, just like, <laughs> and, then, and then um and then uh Ben Ben and Roxas like what's your name again? Roxas. He's like, yeah. uh, you're pretty good at this. He's like, yeah, well, you're not too bad yourself. I'm like, oh, go! <laughs> no, this is what I've waited
2: for. It was such fan service. You even it's, get an Axl Aquaman, which no one was asking for, but we got it anyway. I know. It's
3: literally, it was literally Avengers Endgame. It was earned fan service for fucking 15 years of waiting <laughs> for fucking shit, man. We together and Yes, this
2: guy yeah but anyway, so good all that, yeah, so you do all that part so sora basically uh works with the 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 windows of the guardians of light to um defeat the Xna clones, and after going through all this, Sora is eventually finally able to recreate Kyrie, but before he can do that, the one like, the one final Xaner <laughs> clone comes back and and basically fights them at that point. This is something we've mentioned in part one, but yeah, this is when you get to finally control Kyrie, fight alongside Sora. And just show what an absolute badass Kyrie is. And she's she awesome. She's such a she's such a good player. Because sure. I mean, you technically could play as Sora. Why would you? This is yeah, your I moment. Could. Why would you play not play as Kyrie <laughs> in this moment? Mm-hmm. Like the only reason that you would play as Sora is just to make the fight easier. Why would you want it to be easier? This is like this is the final fight of like the story. Remind so. And that limit. Oh my
1: god. Oh, oh yeah, the, the limit. All oh my god. It's so no, exactly.
2: cute. And yeah, so together Sora and Kyrie are able to defeat Xehanort once and for all. They're recompleted, and then you get the final scene of the game again, but now with new context because now Sora and Kyrie were basically going through all these different moments as the characters were re- re- reuniting with the new context. It's so much wonderful, so wonderful. But that does bring us to the ending, where of three, both three and Remind, the Remind episode, in which you know everybody's reunited. It seems like a perfect ending. Sora and Kyrie united. But Sora disappears because yeah. he used, misused the power of waking, and no one knows where he is. But that does lead us into the second episode of Remind, which is called Limit Cut, which takes place an entire year after Kingdom Hearts Three. Everybody is trying to find Sora. They can't move on without him. Understandably so. So everybody's trying to do their own part to figure out where he is. Terra
3: and go back. is that is that is that where is that where Terra and are going? Yeah, is... they're going to the realm of darkness yeah. to see if they can find mm-hmm. Sora. And Riku, okay. even go, Riku even goes to
2: Aqua is like, are you sure about this? You've been there for a long time. Aqua says, it's okay, I'm not alone this time. Because hey, I think
3: it's so cute. Uh, I, so no, I, out. I guess I just didn't uh, connect that that they were looking for, that, that everyone was looking for Sora. So that, everyone, okay. yes. That's by okay. sleep buddy the two, baby.
1: Yeah.
3: Ooh, that, that, a, that could a no, that's not a to No, that's not gonna happen. You don't think oh. so? No, no, no. I think, so we'll get to it later but I think that this next, whatever this next mainline game is gonna be which they said it should come out in 2022 or whatever, uh, or 2021, uh, maybe, is going to be like some aspect of a Dream Drop 2, where it's going to be Sora and Riku. Okay. I can see so, that. So you
1: don't think there is going to be like another side story with Ventura and Aqua? Because they're, they're, I, I, they're I really don't, be popular.
3: Right now, I just don't see anything that would justify it. Okay. I, I, I can see your point, yeah. But
2: anyway, finish it, to to finish the, the up. Uh, yeah, so everyone is doing their own thing to find Sora. Riku's he decide, he goes back to um Radiant Garden finds finally get the Final Fantasy representation because they're all there at the Radiant Garden, and Riku is trying to find evidence. They find a computer program, and I have never seen them provide a storyline justification for fighting super bosses, but they do it here. <laughs> Because they realize that if they can go into this data, they can finally find a clue to where Sora might be. But the data is being blocked by all the data versions of the 13 darknesses you have to fight in the main game. And you have to make a data version of Sora to fight all of them in one-on-one <laughs> fights. And they're all, like, super hard. Like, they're, they're, they're like, they're great, though. I, they're very hard, but they're also fair. They're, like, great boss fights. But, yeah, after Sora, the data Sword defeats all 13 of the super bosses... You finally get the information. You finally get a clue from the fairy godmother, and that brings us to the secret episode. Very short, but Sora meets a character called Yozora, which was voiced
3: not- by what? the man himself, Dylan. Dylan <laughs> oh, sir. Yes, yes, sir, yes, sir. But also,
2: I want to give a quick shout out to Yozora, though, because traditionally, Kingdom Hearts super bosses that are tied to a future game, like Xemnas, like the Lingering Will like young Xehanort, they have something to like hide them, like a hood or a armor ha- helmet or something like that. So you're like, you're fighting the secret boss but you, you know, have no idea who they are. For Yozora, they're fine. like, look, you may not know his deal, but it's Yozora. You're fighting Yozora. You know it's going to be a foreign character and he's actually voiced by a person that can be credited in the credits. It's great. Yeah. I'm, t- I'm happy that you know, we yes. don't know his full deal, but at least we know who the character is that we're fighting
0: against.
3: Just, and just to just to clarify, Yazora is a video game character that was introduced in the Toy Story world in yep. Kingdom Hearts Three. Barum Rex. Yep. Uh, yeah. So just just to keep that in mind. Absolutely. And, and because Rex mistake uh, like mistakes Sora as Yazora um, during that know, world. So, during Except that world. That world. Which is re- which is really crazy, and
2: it makes me wonder where they're going to go with it. I think Union Cross might lead into a role well because they're currently in a data world, and they're currently in Wreck-It-Rouse world in the, the Union Cross story, so they're already in a world of a
1: video game, so mm, yeah. I'm just saying there's something that happen there. But anyway, I- all I have to say... I'm going to mention this as well from the Toy Story world. I-, I think young Xehanort introduced the concept of parallel worlds. This or something awesome. like that. Where, like, okay, so... Uh, Woody and Buzz and everything, uh, everyone were placed in a different world to the one the, normal one the movies. Yeah. Kept in, the rest are. yeah. Yeah. So I don't know what exactly is going on with that. It's a copy of the world. So, um, do, 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 you, do you know any more? Like, do, do you have any more context on that? Just to make me understand what's going on with that. The
2: parallel worlds? Unfortunately, not just yet. All we yeah. know is
1: that, like, the closest the closest
2: approximation we have to parallel worlds are just like the worlds and maybe a data version of said world. Because that right. is what's currently going on in Union Cross. Because to continue going through the Disney worlds in Union Cross, because of course they don't really exist yet because they've been broken, you have to go to a data recreation based on the Book of Prophecies. That's the closest we have right now. But as far as like straight up parallel worlds that are just like the same but different, no. At the moment, we do not at the moment. Well, the
0: first okay. thing I will say with with Yazora your, your your What's his name? Okay. The coolest thing that happened to him was when I finished the game is when I don't, did you guys play Final Fantasy 15? Yeah. Yes. I haven't finished it, but I have. Hearing to me, the coolest thing was hearing the theme of FF 15 go into Dearly Beloved. I was like, oh my God, what does this all mean? Like what is happening? Well, I can explain that for you. Please do. So after Kingdom Hearts 2,
3: Tissue Nomura was going to make a game called Final Fantasy Vs. Thirteen, which ended up being Final Fantasy XV, because uh, he was too busy to worry about uh, working on that game, because he was working on the Kingdom Hearts franchise, and then later Final Fantasy VII Remake after that, and basically he was just like, you know, his vision of what he wanted that game to be was not going to be what Final Fantasy XV ended up being. So he was like, I'm just going to put Final Fantasy Vs. 13's original concept into Kingdom Hearts 3 now. Or into Kingdom Hearts now. And it's Whoa. fascinating because if you, um, first... if you beat Yzora, right, um,
1: you see this cutscene yes. where he's in the same car
0: in the, the same, same of camera
1: car. angle. And the, trailer. and the interesting thing is that the somebody of Luxord is driving the car. He's driving the car, so maybe he oh. comes from that world. And there's something <laughs> else we forgot to mention as well as Luxord gave Sora... Um, a good. trump card what was it it was just a trump card like we don't know what yeah. the card was but he says yeah, yeah it could come in handy in the few
2: in the future, and, and like
1: that once again i'm thinking chain of memories could be important again because that oh. because cards re- can represent worlds right yes yep. so i'm yep. thinking is there a connection
3: there where, oh, hey, that'd be so good. <laughs> right so good I um,
1: um yeah because
3: because the uh, because also the trailer is very reminiscent of the announcement trailer of final fantasy versus 13 like if you watch like a side-by-side of that scene in kingdom Hearts 3 and then like the announcement like the uh announcement trailer of final fantasy versus 13 it's very similar very similar like the way it's shot and like you know all that jazz um you know and Azora looks is designed very similarly to noctis that is not that is not a coincidence uh very much, so, so yeah, so basically, uh, what we know now is that Yazora has like his own world, and you know there is a possibility that we could be getting a game focused around Yazora, or that Yazora might be the main antagonist for the next uh the next saga, but I am thinking more of the 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 former, I think he's, he might get his own game um. Uh, that, that'll have some sort of connection to Kingdom Hearts somewhere down the line. Uh, and, yeah, and then the, the, you know, the secret, not, not the secret ending per se, but the ending for Kingdom Hearts 3 is you basically find Sora and Riku in what looks to be some sort of, like, Shibuya,
0: Tokyo you know, a city. Which, if I am, I could be wrong, but I am playing Through the World Ends with you right now, and it is literally the same area. Yes, and
1: they teased that in Dream Drop Distance, because Sora said to Neku that he'd see him again. Shibuya. So that kind of that
0: Shibuya. Yeah,
3: Neku said that to Sora. See you in Shibuya. Yeah, so Um, uh, I think that's going to
1: happen. And I I, I agree, uh, Cameron, that, there's going to be a dream drop distance 2 in a way where you're switching between Sora and Riku. Uh, but I think once you beat that campaign, it could be like Chain of Memories, where there's a third campaign with uh, Yozora. Ooh, well, that's a good idea. That's a
3: good that idea. would actually that would, make a lot of sense to me too. Yeah. So, but yes, yeah, so that's that's basically all of Kingdom Hearts three. And uh, you know, again, I I I would, I would like to discuss this game a little bit just because of the most recent entry, and um, it is definitely a divisive one. Uh, like so, so I just want to say that like I think this game is great. I, I still think check. this game is. It just I think for a lot of things, both story and gameplay wise, it's just more of a step backwards than a step forward. Because um, the thing is, is that I, d- I don't want to get into. I don't want to get too technical about things, but basically, like Kingdom Hearts uh, three was made by the team that made Birth by Sleep. the ki- The team that made Kingdom Hearts two. The does not really exist anymore um so that's a big reason as to why the gameplay is a lot more floaty than the groundedness that kingdom hearts 2 had that like that that good balance uh between aerial and grounded combat um and so that that, like that's a big factor to play with why the combat is the way it is in uh, in uh, Kingdom Hearts three, I think it's vastly improved in Remind.
1: I, I think they did a lot of tweaks and adjustments that made it feel closer to KHT, but it could still be a bit. Closer. Yeah,
3: and I think that all again, just like the, the not having reaction commands, which I really hope. Yeah, because I've been seeing some interviews from Namora recently, and I think he realizes that, like, he realizes a lot of the feedback that. um that uh the you know people didn't like about King of Hearts 3 <laughs> those will be implemented in the next uh mainline uh entry. You because know, Melody Memories, a rhythm game, it's not gonna have the same type of combat. Um and yeah, so that makes me excited. And uh something yeah, something that we did bring up uh that was brought up like just for a second. Uh I think it was on the previous uh episode of the podcast. Is that um, Nomura had very little freedom with the Disney characters this time around. Yeah. Yes. Uh, Yet, uh, like there, there had to be deals made. There had to be like yeah. there were some things that he just got straight up rejected on. He <laughs> just did not have the freedom that he did originally uh, because originally, like originally, which I wanted to bring up, at some, give a good reason to bring it up at some point, and now is the perfect reason uh, reason to bring it up. So when. When Kingdom Hearts was originally like in development, the original Kingdom Hearts, Tatsuya Nomura went to like I think it was like L.A. or something like that to talk to the executives about you know what they wanted to do for the game, and basically Disney had a bunch of different plans laid out on the table, a bunch of different game ideas, and basically Tatsuya Nomura just said no to all of them. He's like, I'm going to do what I want to do, and that's how it's that's how it's going to go, and and then they were like, okay.
1: Sure, and they—I think they—he
3: divert, developed the game without even their approval, at, at first, I'm which not, is interesting. I'm not, I don't know about—I'm not sure about that. I wouldn't be surprised, but basically, I think that because I think who was it was it was it uh, Michael Eisner at the time was the CEO yes. of Disney, and Michael Eisner was a lot more open to just kind of them doing whatever they wanted with their Disney licenses. He gets hated uh-huh. on
1: a lot, but he's a hero for this.
3: But yeah. yeah. But, uh, but when, with Bob Iger, uh, taking, uh, you know, the role of CEO during the time, like, Tazuna Nomura wanted, uh, Elsa to be a boss battle in, in the Frozen World, and wanted to, you know, her to to show the more, like, anti-hero of things, and then she did end up turning good after fighting, uh, after Sora fighting her, but, like, Disney did not like, did not want that to happen, they wanted her to see still be seen as a good character like across the board and things like that um which is weird because that's kind of like the point of frozen's movie is like she wasn't like good all the time yeah uh no so, which is yeah really weird to me so so you know that's I, why I, I, like, I think it makes sense
0: frozen,
3: uh, frozen feels like rather disjointed where like you know you're climbing the mountain for like half of the world and then the <laughs> other half is like oh it's the frozen characters but it's like nowhere like integrated into what the frozen movie actually is and then um the the prince or like the du- you know the prince dude uh, I forgot his name like you don't even like really interact with him and then he turns into a heartless and it's just like it feels really weird in that sense it um, felt super weird like that with the pirates well too yeah. Where, like think, it was all just jointed. Yeah, that was something that uh Tessi Nomura like said in the interviews, like, Oh, why are we doing At World's End instead of uh Dead Man's Chess this time around? And basically he was just like, Well, at World's End is my favorite movie and I we thought it made more sense because yada 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 and I was like, you know, some of it I get, but I, I do think Caribbean Caribbean is still a really fun world. Um and it like the art style in it is fantastic, like yeah. absolutely But mm-hmm. I don't think that's one this thing like beautiful. I yeah, I think um when it came to last year, like when it came to the Game Awards stuff, like I think their art direction like got fucking jimped. Like, yeah, yeah. Th- like yeah. each world had to have its own unique art design. You know what I mean? Like it's really impressive. Um But yeah, uh and and like I think I'm pretty sure um, to to get like Toy Story, they had to also add in Monsters Inc. and and things like that. Like, there's just so many things that they didn't have uh, the freedom for compared to previous mainline uh, entries to to uh, the series. That like, hopefully, hopefully, like Disney becomes a little bit more open-minded uh, moving forward. And I think, and I think that like, once Tetsuya Nomura realized the how restrained he was that's when he like thought of more of the idea of like oh let's put the final fantasy versus 13 stuff in the kingdom heart like like let, like let's try and like not rely as much on the disney stuff because you know the freedoms that he's trying to get like he's not getting so like and and there are some people that are just like oh we should just cut out disney completely now and it should be its own thing i'm like no that's not no that's not kingdom hearts then anymore if there's no disney like that's how I so, felt when there
0: was no Final Fantasy in it. Because yeah, to me, it, it's a mixture of both. Yeah, and, and, and he 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 also said in an
3: interview regarding with that one that they just didn't have the time. They had to cut it. Mm-hmm. It was going to be in the game, but they cut it. Something else they needed to change
1: was with the Pixar worlds, because I think they originally were just going to follow the story, but one of the implications was that they had to create new original stories within those Pixar worlds to to happen which I actually do like for the Pixar world I do
2: too now I don't I don't like the fact that I never got to fight Zerg or Randall but that being aside I did like the fact oh I know right but and and Monsters Monsters, Inc I particularly like that because it gave us something that a lot of Monsters Inc fans finally wanted which was a sequel to that movie to see what happens
0: afterwards uh, one thing I will say about the Disney thing is that I I to me it kind of makes sense not having so many liberties just because Kingdom Hearts has grown I think to be such a huge franchise that you know I, I it, putting something like frozen in Kingdom Hearts and, and I'm not saying I agree with it I'm just saying it makes sense to me because putting something like frozen in Kingdom Hearts with you know how frozen was everywhere um, and how big that movie was and how many you know kids were obsessed with it if you have um, you know you know, if, I, if I'm the head of Disney and I'm thinking essentially I don't know you know how big this audience is gonna be but if I have kids that are gonna play Kingdom Hearts 3 because they know that you know I'm um, Frozens in it the last thing I want them to do is fight Elsa after watching the movie so for me, that kind of makes sense for like a, a as a as a business practice for this series becoming so big. Because I even have friends who are just playing it just because of the Disney aspect, you know. Um, but that doesn't mean I agree with it. I actually agree with everything you said, Cameron. I I, I wish that I, I think that was the point of Frozen, and I wish that it could have gone that way. I feel like it would have been much more interesting, and I do feel like some of this was a letdown essentially. But I do want to ask Chris now. You know, how did you feel about Kingdom Hearts Three? Um, so
1: first thing I wanna bring up actually is that I think it would have been better if Maleficent got involved in yes! the world and like tried to convince Elsa, you know, to to uh, go on the darker side, you know? Um but overall, Kingdom Hearts 3, I, I loved it personally. Um uh I I but the, the negative fan backlash kind of like soured my opinion a bit. And then once I've replayed uh, the game and played Remind I was like, okay, yeah, I do love this game Yeah, I, I just The 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 worlds look incredible Especially Her- the Hercules world and the Tangled worlds it's Just like, they're so colourful Bright, beautiful um, But to me I think it started to falter Towards the second half um, Because personally I-, I didn't like the Caribbean world that much what? And I didn't like Big Hero 6 That much um, just because the stories of those worlds kind of felt um, rushed in okay. a way. Mm-hmm. Um, and Thank you, no, Six. I agree with you. This definitely felt rushed. Yeah, I, I just I just didn't dig the Caribbean world just because one the music was awful for that world. And no,
0: it Ooh, it. Hard of oh, really? Oh my uh, gosh, ahead. it was so good. What are you talking about? Uh, I
1: I don't know. I just they, I just it just drove me nuts. Oh it absolutely God drove me nuts Chris. with those um that, that happy go lucky music in a like a
3: serious kind of world like the Caribbean, and they didn't even use. Okay, Caribbean is totally apart. goofy. What are you talking about? huh? Pirates Caribbean is totally goofy. I guess it
0: can be. The battle theme was amazing, though. Come on, it wasn't. Oh my god, Chris! <laughs> <laughs> what is no, 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 it should have been "He's
1: a Pirate" or an alternate version of that. Hang on, because that just that just works in the Pirates Caribbean it's, it's, world. It's
2: weird that "He's a Pirate" wasn't anywhere. I'll, I'll, I'll agree with that much.
1: Yeah, I, I don't know. It just, it just kind of felt unfinished to me, but um overall like i i i love the game but yeah it, that, like the, the marketing itself as well kind of like spoiled the end world to me
0: yeah there was a point in the advertisement uh, no there was a point when i was playing the game i don't remember what it was but i remember messaging friends and being like if i didn't know that this would have hap- uh, if i didn't know this was happening i would have been like so much more emotionally invested yeah, in- yeah i would have been freaking of oh, course exactly <laughs> But I had already seen like what I don't remember what it was. I think it was probably um, Aqua um, uh, turning to darkness, and I was like, "Well, you know, had I not seen this oh, moment yeah, before, yeah. it would have been so huge to just you know have played through it blind." Uh, so I completely no, agree. I, I'm gonna disagree. I mm-hmm. I saw that I saw that trailer
3: in the Microsoft E3 conference theater, and I was a mess. Yeah, I was a yeah. Fucking mess. Like, <laughs> I don't know it was you, a big pop- up moment for better or worse, like if you go back to like I don't know if you can go back to like the actual conference footage, but like I literally stood up and screamed <laughs> when they went when, when F. Spencer <laughs> introduced the the trailer and and I had friends literally message me saying like Was that you that yelled? (laughs) That's great. Like, the conference, I was like, yes, that was me. (laughs) Um, No, like, I was, like, the one person in the entire theater that was actually excited that Kingdom Hearts was being shown at the Xbox conference, finally,
0: for the first time. No, yeah, <laughs> no I was excited, too. I just meant that I, I and, and and no, I like, I think for marketing and advertising purposes, like, it was a great moment to show, because it, it created such a huge conversation. Uh, just for me, personally, I was like, damn, if I didn't know that this was happening, and, and it wasn't just that moment, but there were a few moments where I was like, damn, if I didn't know this was happening, I would probably be, like, breaking down right now yeah. like in, at home and it would have been a better experience just for me to have um, not knowing not have known what was coming up but regardless of
1: the, the spoilers I guess um, I, I think it, it touched on the darker elements of the Kingdom Hearts series I've been wanting to see for a while and um, I don't know it tested Sora, it challenged him and I really wanted to see that because like, he was super happy go lucky, he was annoying in Dream Jump Distance in a way and then, in this one, he yeah. like, it gave him a bit more um, of a, I don't know, it gave him a bit more to work with,
3: I he guess? Was, he, he, he was less naive. He was less yeah, naive. Yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. Was a bit of he, was a fu- he was a fucking, like, empty-headed idiot in <laughs> <laughs> Game <laughs> Drop. <get> honest here. <laughs> yeah. True. Oh, speaking oh, of dream Drop
2: Distance, that is something I really like about that game, because up until that point, when you went to a Disney World, for the most part, you had, like, what would Sora do if he saw the Disney characters? And Birth by Sleep gave you other characters' perspective, Terra, Ven, and Aqua. But the thing with them is, like, even though it was cool seeing their reaction to Disney characters as well, they were new characters at the time. What Dream Drop Distance did was something that fans had wanted for a long time. What would Riku do when he saw when he sees the Disney characters going around? Because he's a character that people actually knew, but you never really got to see that. Because in, in a... Chain of Memories, you did play as Riku, but he didn't meet any Disney characters because he only saw the villains in the Heartless. So Dream Drop Distance gave you the opportunity to see what would Riku do if he met certain Disney characters? How would he react to them? And, and you know, he reacted a lot, pretty much how you thought you think he would. But sometimes he would do something that would surprise you. Like when he um, did the one for all thing in the musketeer world in Dream Drop Distance, like
0: oh that's adorable. Um, I didn't play Dream Drop Distance, so I don't have, uh, I don't have a reference for that. Honestly, you should, Jarrell. I think you would enjoy Dream Drop Distance. Yes. But for um for me, uh not having the same experience as you guys with the entire Kingdom Hearts series, I really enjoyed Kingdom Hearts 3. I liked it a lot. Um I there were there were some really annoying points, I won't lie, there are things um <coughs> excuse me, um uh, moments where I think uh character decisions just were like didn't make sense to me. Like my biggest gripe probably still is maleficent being almost useless. Um yeah. another one I have is in the base game uh hyping up for Kyrie and Axel to do some cool stuff and you know fighting with them for like 5 seconds in the end was a letdown a little bit for me. Um also the the whole ending of you know Master Masters boxes Lushu, all that shit none of it being explained is still like a oh my god like how long <laughs> will I have to go on before I find out what it was in the fucking black box like, come on, so it's in the box. Yes, <laughs> and tell so me what the box is in the yeah, box. I want to it's...
2: piggyback off that real quick. Um, yeah, Kingdom Hearts 3 was, again, this is the end of the Dark Seeker saga, answered a lot of questions in regards to Xehanort himself. However, in that same breath, we also got Maleficent's entire role in this Kingdom Hearts 3, which is meant to be a finale game of sorts, her entire role in the game. Was set up for what's to come. Same thing with Lucius, and even Xehanort's motivations of why he did all this in the first place. Dark Road, um, the whole game is like it's meant to be like, why did Zaynor think that? Why does Zaynor think this in the first place? Why does he want to restart the world? That's what Dark Road seeks to answer. Um, but it's not considered, but it's not considered part of the Dark Seeker saga. No more has supposedly said that. Dark Road is technically the first entry in whatever the new saga is, even though it's dealing with Xehanort's
0: origins, which I'm like, excuse me, what? But it wasn't good setup. Like, Maleficent was useless. Like, had you taken her out hey, of the yeah, game, no, I, it not, would I, have I, been I exactly just, the same. I'm just saying it's
2: weird that the finale game is what decided to make Maleficent set up and not have any
0: finality at all. But. You know. Well, Brandon, actually, um, since you haven't, would you like to tell us how you felt about K 3 So I can, um, after this, I want to ask you guys a few questions and then we'll end. But how did you feel about K 3 Sure. So for KH3, I've had about almost
2: like two years at this point to like really stew on this opinion to make sure it's true. But honestly, I still feel the same way about this. Kingdom Hearts 3 is currently my favorite Kingdom Hearts game,
0: oh. and there's
2: and there's a few reasons why I feel this way. Uh, first off, it's 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 this emotional world. to me because the Disney worlds in this game. I feel resonate with me more than any other Kingdom Hearts game personally. Like there's been a lot of great Disney worlds that have appeared in Kingdom Hearts. Like I'm, my favorite like animated Disney movie is The Lion King. But it's like the only one in Kingdom Hearts 2 that I really adore. Whereas the other ones I'm like, oh, those are Disney movies that I pretty much that I like. But I don't have like a personal attachment per se. But almost every Disney world that's in three, I have a personal attachment. Toy Story is my all time favorite Pixar movie. Um, I adore Monsters, Inc., Eyes of the Caribbean, I love, and I do, I did really enjoy the world because I liked how exploring the different islands. It gave me very Wind Waker vibes going through all the different islands. Big Hero 6 was definitely rushed, but it's still one of my favorite Disney movies, so I was just happy to be there, have Baymax on my side, and explore this big ass city with all, with all this, well, different things there. What else? Tangled was a movie that, was a movie I also really enjoyed. I, it's, it's not talked about enough, I feel. Frozen, of course, is like a modern classic. So yeah, every single Disney World that was in Kingdom Hearts 3, something I had a very personal attachment to, and that meant a lot to me. It has one of the best soundtracks of the series. Gameplay-wise, um... For a while it was pretty much like recency bias I I will fully admit but the thing is with Remind besides the DLC they also did like a lot of patches to like improve the gameplay itself and the gameplay now with Kingdom Hearts 3 with all the patches has now gotten to a point where it's my the most comfy game for me to play of all the ones so I can go back to that one at any time the uh, the Remind DLC the Remind is okay but the limit cut fights are where it's really at they're just such intense fights they're like my favorite boss fights in like the series even though they have very little plot associated with them and visually looks good, the music is the music is great. I loved all the the eleventh hour stuff with all the organization fights are really cool. Remind makes them even better with how you play as other characters. There's just like even though the story was a very, was I admit disjointed in a way where all the really important stuff really happened at the end. Um and fundamentally, Kingdom Hearts, even though I adore the story and obviously follow it very closely, fundamentally I got into the series because of the Disney characters. So even if nothing really happens in the Disney world, I'm just happy to be there and see Sora and, and crew just interact with all these Disney characters and have a great time. And I really felt like I got that with Kingdom Hearts 3. Even if the bosses – I would have loved more Disney bosses as we brought up in part one, and Chris did as well. But I enjoyed what I got, like seeing all the different Disney worlds and just interacting with all the different characters. Journal trees Entries is never looked – the series has never looked better. Yeah,
0: I absolutely adore Kingdom Hearts 3. Uh Cameron. Yeah, favorite Kingdom uh, Hearts character and why?
3: Oh, Riku. It's it's Riku. Uh, I've kind of explained in the past two, in the past, in this podcast, in the previous episode, as to why I, I uh, see I see uh, a lot of myself in that character. Um, uh, I like what I just like his character development and everything that he, uh, all the trials that he went through, and um, uh, uh, even though I think that he really got shafted hard in kingdom hearts three um i uh, i really like riku and i'm looking forward to seeing how his character progresses um moving forward
0: chris same question yeah um
1: to me it's sora um just because like
3: he's a dude who
1: isn't afraid to get emotional or is afraid to show his feelings um he's like that's the reason why he stands out to me as my favorite video game character because I can relate to him so much. Um, he cares about his friends and he's wins stand up for them through thick and thin. And you know, I think that's a really good trait. And Brandon, same question. I have an answer and that I want to give an
2: honorable mention. That'll be very brief. But the, my actual favorite is Terra actually from Birth by Sleep. And uh, the reason I like him a lot is because He's very much like this tragic, uh, the tragic character. And I have, I'm a sucker for those kind of characters where he's really just trying to do his best, but he doesn't know which how to do that, and he's like always like subject to the darkness that engulfs him. He's very much a meathead in a lot of uh, sections. Like he gets played around a lot by the Disney villains. Like when he goes to the Disney worlds, he more and more often than not encounters the villains as opposed to the heroes. And sometimes he's smart enough to catch them on their game, and sometimes he leads right into the traps. But it's the fact that he's always trying to like get past that and be better is what I really admire about him. And then I feel sorry for him when he ultimately fails, but then finds success in Kingdom Hearts 3 through his friends when he realizes you can't do it all by yourself. So in a way, Terra in a very different way than any other Kingdom Hearts character learns the value of friendship in that regard. The honorable mention I want to give to only because is a very new character is Brain from Union Cross. Oh, Because Brain has such a cool design. I really adore his fedora with the feather hat. But he's also, in the writing of Union Cross, he's doing the most out of any of the other characters. The rest of them are like, oh, you know, let's just uh, rebuild the worlds. Uh, That's fine, right? I mean, that's what the Master told us to do. Brain's like, hold on, but why are we doing this? What can we do better? What if we just go in the same path they led us to? Wait, there's a darkness out there? We need to find out who the darkness is. Like, he's doing so much in the plot right now. While the other character is just trying to go on autopilot, he's trying to change Destiny and make it better. So I want to see what happens with his character, and I hope he appears in a future Kingdom Hearts game because, oh man, just what they have for Brain so far. He has the potential to be my favorite character, but there's just too little of him right now, and so I can't really pick him. But Terra is my current favorite.
0: Alright, so my next question for all of you is, if someone were to ask you why should I play Kingdom Hearts, what would you say? Starting with Cameron there's
3: so many reasons. If you love Disney, you should play Kingdom Hearts. If you love JRPGs, you should play Kingdom Hearts. If you love Final Fantasy, you should play Kingdom Hearts. Like, if you want a compelling narrative, but one thing you have to work for, um, that isn't just, like, handed out to you on a silver platter, or, like, I, I don't know, I just think that, like, uh, I, I like, I like storylines where you have to invest into the characters and everything that's going on, because then you get, like, you know, even though, even though Kingdom Hearts isn't, like, you know, obviously there's some like nonsensical stuff uh, in in the series. Making your in the investment into the story, like I've gotten some of the biggest payouts payoffs for like any video game story ever. Like, completely agree. And it's it, it was like it's just totally worth it. You know what I mean? Like, again, like I, th- I thought that, I thought that Kingdom Hearts three wasn't what I wasn't the payoff that I wanted to until I until the Remind DLC, and I was like, this is what I wanted. Like. So I'm satisfied in that regard, despite me thinking that there are other games in the series that are better than Kingdom Hearts 3. Um, so yeah, it's really just, uh, uh, th- those are like the the many reasons why I think that uh, Kingdom Hearts 3, is, or Kingdom Hearts as a franchise is worth getting into. I know that like, specifically Kingdom Hearts 1 hasn't aged very well, um, and uh, might be hard to get through, but once you get, you know, once you get farther into it, like, it's uh, you're like you know, it's a really fun roller coaster.
1: Uh, Kingdom Hearts One is actually my favorite game in the series. Actually,
3: I enjoy uh, it a lot. I, I, I can yeah, understand because why. because the
1: story is really concise. It's um, uh, you know, it's, it has beginning, middle, and end to it. Just in case, like you know, um, they didn't get a sequel. You know, um, it's, it's very. I think the voice sequel. acting's re- great. Um, and I love the exploration style gameplay of mm-hmm. the original rather than the others, where it's more linear yeah um so like for example it's like it's like a Metroidvania in a way where you get new abilities and then you go back to the original worlds and mm, you I like, figure true. out puzzles within the world so i I love that element of the first game just to just to defend it, you know, um, I know its faults, you know, it has a bad camera, um, but I do like the platforming elements of the original game that aren't present in the other titles. But in general, I would recommend the Kingdom Hearts series, uh, just because it has a excellent story that's in depth and you have to really think on it. Um, so it really appreciates its audience. Um, I, I feel like the combat is kind of unmatched, you know, it's nothing like it. It's like off the wall yes. anime, like action with high mm. production values and incredibly satisfying attacks. And, uh, I, I love the reaction commands in Kingdom Hearts 2, especially because, uh, it's like a yeah. combo in the fighting game. Where, like, Sora looks flash while he's taking out a heartless in the this fashion. I remember that dragon boss in, uh, Land of the Dragons, where he's like yes. on, on his stomach and he's like doing like different slashes and then, um, it, it that the heartless boss kind of like flips over in this really cool fashion, and Sora just lands on the ground like a fucking superhero. You know, um, sorry if I swore, like if I'm swearing, it no, that's not. It's fine. I didn't no, ask it's about totally fine. Fuck it. Um, but yeah, it isn't just a like. I remember like this infamous IGN review of Kingdom Hearts Two, where it's like, oh, you just press X to win. But it's way more than that. Yeah. It's, um, it's not a senseless hack and slash. You have to think about your every move. Do I block the incoming attack? Do I roll? Do I get cheeky and go for another string of attacks? You know, um, there's way more to the combat than it uh, than people think. You know,
0: yeah.
1: I think people really need to give that give it a chance.
0: Brandon, same question. Like, wh- wh- how, what would you suggest for people to um, play Kingdom Hearts? Also, for any of you guys as well, what is that what draws you back to the series, what you've said so far?
2: Yeah, so for me so for me, um, yeah, they touched on it a little bit, but there's no action RPG quite like it. Like there's a Kingdom Hearts was certainly not the very first action RPG, but it's one of the ones that defined the genre, I would say, because of how it uh streamlined things. There's multiple difficulty options, so Even if you're not the best at these kind of action games, you can play the lower difficulty and enjoy what's in front of you. It's very accessible. And for the more seasoned gamers, you can definitely play on the harder difficulties where you cannot just smash X to win. On the harder difficulties, you really do need to think about what you're doing if you really want to win. Otherwise, some of the later enemies will rock you. But aside from the gameplay, you know speaking from my perspective I came in because I enjoy Disney properties a lot and you see all these different characters of all different kinds you come in for the Disney characters and you'll stay for them but you also stay for the story that you get as well like most crossover games really have you know very have very fan service disposable stories that you enjoy the characters clashing and that's pretty much all you're getting with kingdom hearts it's a franchise and it's a franchise for a reason because the story has really evolved and continue over. It's gotten a bit convoluted. Sure. But it's like, if you play the games, you do understand them and you're enthralled about what happens next. Like we spent a good amount of time in this, in this podcast, both this one and the last episode, just theorizing about what could come next because we're invested in the characters. We've seen the story elements that have been introduced. We want to know what happens next because at the end of the day, it's just a really good told story. And even the slower parts of the story are still fine because you're meeting Disney characters as you're going. Like a character that would have been forgettable in any other RPG is memorable because it's Aladdin and you're teaming up with him, right? So it just has all those elements going for it where you have every moment to moment is fun because of the gameplay and the characters and the story. And there's really no other franchise that can really top that just because of the elements that it uses. I didn't yeah. recommend anyone to get into it. Like start if you're if you're not experienced, just go to lower difficulty. Enjoy the story because it's worth it. And then if you get better, play it again with a higher difficulty
1: and just see it where the depth of the gameplay really goes. And I, I would say as well, just to add to it that, um, I think the Disney worlds are kind of like the gateway point to the Kingdom sure. Hearts series. Sure, um, because That's like mine. some of my favorite worlds are Twilight Town and uh, Hollow Bastion slash Radiant Garden. Um, I, I think the overall story itself is amazing and how it blends like the original story of Kingdom Hearts and how it affects like the Disney stories themselves is so fascinating to me like I, I love seeing like these classic stories we know and mm-hmm. love get twisted in a way where it's like completely new Yeah, you know? like, I like that I'm line. sure like I'm a nightmare before Christmas fan just because of Kingdom Hearts you know like, yeah I, I, I saw the movie for the first time because of Kingdom Hearts as well I, I'm with yeah. you there and I would if 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 I was a Nightmare Before Christmas fan, uh, I would have loved like the new story within that world, you know. So, um, it's great just to get all these stories, all all, all this like overall arc um, of the Kingdom Hearts series in, in 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 these titles, you know. It's it's, it's just just a wonderful franchise. And it's my
0: favorite of all time. That's actually a really great way for me to segue into an ending because we're running on time. Uh, but yeah, no, it, it's a really amazing franchise. And first, thank all of you for you know coming on and talking to me about Kingdom Hearts, going through the entirety of King- Kingdom Hearts, explaining to me and everyone else why you guys uh, love the franchise so much. It's been. A- really, you know, eye-opening and awesome to have these types of conversations with you guys. So, thank you. Thank you, Cameron. Thank you, Chris. And thank you, Brandon, so much for having these conversations with me. Is there anything that you guys want to get out before I before I wrap up? Any last little tidbits you want to um, throw out there? Play the games in order. Yeah.
1: You know, the, play them in no, release, order. Chronological release order. Release order. Yeah. Just, just go on the All for One collection or 1.5 and 2.5 and just play them from game
0: to game, you know? Yes, and they're they're I believe all available on Game Pass right now. Yep. Yep. They are. So if you have an Xbox, you got a PlayStation 4, you got an option,
2: you got the ways to play the entire game. Now there are a few games in this collection that are only available in movie form, but that's perfectly acceptable. In fact, it will help you get to catch up on the series faster if that's your goal. Like you can see the Days movie, the coded is a movie. That's probably the most appropriate as a movie, but uh I digress. And then the and then the key is Included as back cover, where you see the perspective from the foretellers. Which, is to understand the series so far, that's all. That's really all you need. The back cover portion. Future stories may use Union Cross stuff, but I actually have confidence that everything that's happening in Union Cross is going to get retold in another way, be it a movie or a remake of a game. There's too much important stuff that they cannot possibly. Expect everyone to play all these different missions in the mobile game to just get this important story stuff that's now happening. So I think when it's done, they'll figure out a way to compile it. I have I have full confidence in that. But until then, you have access to the entire story right now, and I would take advantage because it's a great series. Xbox Game Pass. Um, but also, <laughs> um, uh, I,
1: ha- I I have a question for you. Like, huh. what what do you think the Disney Plus series is going to be like? Is is rumored Ooh, right now? Yeah, I forgot um, about that. But I I think it could cover uh my, my theory is that it could cover mickey donald and goofy trying to find clues of where to find sora um throughout all sorts of disney worlds and each episode would be a disney world
2: Ooh, now that's a good now that's actually a really good idea i never even <laughs> thought about that yeah I my, no my, my pocket theory is uh, something that i hear a lot of people saying this could be their way to tell the union cross story in like episodic formats yeah because it need, there needs to be a way for that story to get out there that doesn't involve people playing the game. Because there's just not enough people that are playing it, and deservedly so. So I would love that because honestly, if it's a, if we're talking about a cartoon that can like summarize a lot of the fluff of Union Cross, I think there's a story there worth
1: telling for sure. The reason why I mention it's probably going to be Mickey, Goofy, and Donald is because they want to attract like a mainstream audience.
0: And yeah. gain new
1: fans for the Kingdom Hearts series like The Witcher did for the video game. I know The Witcher wasn't based on the game. It was based on the book but it still did, made a massive impact on the game sales. Mm-hmm. So I think that's probably what they're going for
3: but we, we'll see. Mm-hmm. I think it would probably just be based off the games. Okay. Because, yeah, I don't. I definitely don't see the Union Crossing happening because then like that, that would be only for such a specific audience yeah i completely agree with no Cameron. and then but and then with the mickey doll and goofy stuff that just doesn't seem necessary to me i don't know um i think uh kingdom hearts is a big enough name now that like if those that don't feel like playing it but would like what want to watch like uh you know uh i wouldn't say anime style but like you know, uh, animated version of 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 the uh, games with with yeah the events of Kingdom Hearts with all of the you know good action that it has. They can do that. It would be nice to see all that stuff in
1: uh, Kingdom Hearts Free Engine, like the rumors are saying. That'd be great.
0: I mean, I I yeah, I would love. I would watch it, and I think I agree with Cameron. I think it'd be a really great way for people to who have maybe heard of the title but not played it before, or, like I said, friends of mine who started with KH3 because of Disney, and they don't know anything, you know, past that, who don't want to invest in the time, I think uh, the, the series would be really great for that but anyway uh and with that i am going to finally end this podcast once again thank you guys so much for being on this uh with me and i'm gonna actually probably go play uh let me cut now because uh, i never <laughs> finished it uh so thank you once again all of you and i will talk to everyone else later bye everybody bye, bye. Yeah. bye. let be-